The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Happy Friday. We made it. We all made it to Friday. It's the end of a week, and what a week it was. I hope everybody has had a great week. Welcome to the Friday edition of Parking the Bus. We're talking South America today. We're going all the way down Southern Hemisphere. We're parking the bus in South America, where it is the middle of summer, and the weather is beautiful. The sun is shining for the next hour or so, I am going to forget about the brutal cold and and wind and snow and ice. That is the reality of my life this time. <laughs> oh, yes, we're going to South America. We got some great football to talk about. All right, we're going to talk Copa Libertadores. We're going to talk Copa Sudamericana. We're going to talk the Copa Diego Armando Maradona. And the Brasileiro, which is heating up as it's making its push into the final weeks of the, of the championship. We're down to 10 matches to go in Brazil. And the race for the title is wide open. We've got managers under fire. We've got players on their way to Europe. There's all kinds of rumors going around right now. In South America, this is a crazy time. Plus, this isn't this is the part of the year where they're usually not playing or they're just starting up their preseason. But of course, it is post-COVID and everything is upside down because we're playing 2020 championships here in the year 2021. It is just something that has actually become normal. It'll continue obviously through the summer with the 2020. Or I should say the Euro 2020. And I forgot to mention this when I talk about all of the football we got coming this summer. I always seem to leave out the Olympics. That's right. The 2020 uh, Summer Olympics taking place in 2021. Um, like I said, something that's becoming normal to us. But um, yeah, I don't. I I guess there's a football tournament at the Olympics. But uh yeah, we'll get to that when we get... We'll cross that bridge when we get there, people. I really don't want to get into that in this episode. We have too much brilliant football to talk about, especially the 2020 Copa Libertadores being played in 2021. All right, going to have a quick message from PTV Media Network. And on the other side, we'll get right into Copa Libertadores here on Parking the Bus with your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can follow the show on Twitter at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at the same handle, PTB underscore media. And if you want 
feel free to shoot an email to ptbmedianetwork at gmail.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. Welcome back to Park in the Bus. It's episode 20. And why do you hear Beethoven's Ode of Joy, you're wondering? Well, that's because that is the official anthem of the Copa Libertadores, the Champions League of South America, if you will. And we are at the semi-final stage. This, this competition is growing and growing in terms of exposure. I mean, this it's loaded with history. Um... For the past three seasons, I've been glued to this competition, so it's exciting. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of this run by both River Plate and by Boca Juniors in the last couple of seasons, and of course, who can forget the last two-legged final two seasons ago, where Boca and River played in a two-legged final, the final two-legged final, and the second leg had to be moved to Madrid. Y'all remember that one? That's right, because there was violence outside the stadium at uh, at the Monumental before the second leg, forcing the second leg to be played somewhere else for security reasons. And Carmenibal, in the spirit of the Libertadores that liberated all of Latin America from Spain, said, I think it'd be appropriate to send this tournament to Spain. What do y'all say? So that's what they did. They went to Madrid and they played it. But it was still very, very memorable. River Plate, of course, winning it in extra time after two legs. And it was just um, phenomenal. And nobody is who watched will be able to forget last year's final. This time, River Plate on the, on the other end. Because it was my boys, Flamengo, coming down from behind 1-0 with two goals in stoppage time to steal the Copa Libertadores. That's right, they were coached by Jorge Jesus, Portuguese manager, now back at Benfica. But at that time, he was the king of the world. You couldn't, he just, he literally, everything he was touching at that time was turning to gold. He showed up at Flamengo in June, and they were struggling near the bottom of the table. They were barely alive in the Libertadores, and he turns them around in six months into the champions of both South America and of Brazil. And that is how the last two competitions have gone down. Of course, Gabi Gol, who can forget Gabi Gol with two goals to to lift the trophy last year. That was the final in Lima, Peru. This year, the final is at the historic Maracanã in Rio de Janeiro. And the road to Maracanã goes through Argentina this week. Both semifinals played in Argentina. We start in semifinal number one on Tuesday, January the 5th. We are at the Estadio Libertadores de América in Buenos Aires. No, that's not the normal home of River Plate. It is the home of Independiente, but it has been the home of River Plate during this lockdown and during this empty stadium um, time frame in this era of empty stadiums, River Plate have been playing in in Independiente's stadium for whatever reasons. So we have 
in we have River Plate taking on Palmeiras of Brazil, the champions of the São Paulo State in Brazil. State championships are a big thing still in Brazilian football. And the biggest of them all, the biggest state championship there is, is the state championship in São Paulo. The Paulistão and Palmeiras are the champions of that competition. And they're still alive in the Brasileirão as well. Let's take a look at the lineup, starting with the visitors from Brazil. Managed by my compatriot, of course. Managed by Abel Ferreira. Trying to do the same thing Jorge Jesus did last year at Flamengo. He's trying to do the same thing at Palmeiras this year. So, Palmeiras will play in a... They'll start the match, I'm going to mention, in a 3-4-2-1. Different than what followers of the Brazilian League would expect. This is not how they play in domestic competition. But this is how they tend to play in, in Comnibor. So in goal, they have Weverton is the goalkeeper. The three in the back, Marcus Rocha, Gustavo Gomez. Gustavo Gomez, I should say it's Spanish name. Uh, Alan Imperior, and then the four in midfield, Gabriel Menino, the young, young starlet who is attracting attention from major clubs in Europe, major clubs in in everywhere, essentially, in Europe, obviously. Um, of course, Major League Soccer and uh, other clubs in Brazil have also had their eye on him. Right now, his value is... is is um, measured to be at about 10 million right now, according to transfer market. So we'll see if Gabriel Menino, the young 20-year-old, is moved on in in this transfer window after this competition. Uh, he plays wide on the right with Patrick De Paula inside of him and Danilo, the other pivot, with Matias Binha as the left-sided midfielder. The two attacking midfielders. You have Ronnie on the right with Gustavo Scarpa on the left. And the striker is the former Shakhtar Donetsk and AC Milan striker Luis Adrianu. For the Millonarios from Buenos Aires, River Plate in goal, Argentina international goalkeeper and current number one, Franco Armani. They play in a 4 1 3 2. They're four across the back. The right back is Gonzalo Montiel. The center back pairing is Javier Pignola and Robert Rojas. Well, Milton Casco is the left back. Enzo Perez, former Benfica, former Valencia star, is the holding midfielder with three attacking mids in front of him. Nacho Fernandez to the right. Jorge Carascal in the center and Nicolas de la Cruz to the left. Up front, the strike partner partnership is Matias Suarez and Rafael Borre. So, and uh, and also worth mentioning, River Plate's managed by um, one of the most desired, I think, and one of the most highly touted managers in world football right now. A lot of clubs would love to sign this guy, and. Believe it or not, he is former D.C. United player. He spent some time in his career at D.C. United. I'm talking, of course, about Marcello Gallardo, the former former River Plate, former D.C. United player, now manager. And he has been on quite a role as the manager of River Plate. 
And we'll go right into the ticker as this match, like we said, played in Buenos Aires in hot temperatures. It is summer there. And in the in the first minutes or so, um, River Plate were the better team starting on. Right in the first minute, Rafael Boré with a left-footed shot from the center of the box was high and wide, but he was in alone early, uh, down, exploiting that left side of... I'm sorry, exploiting the right side of Palmeiras' back back line, if you want to call it that. Uh, exploiting the three-man back line um, in, the, in the wide open space. There was too much space between Gabriel Menino and between Mateus Rocha. So, um... Boro, Bore, excuse me, and, and Nacho Fernandez really combining well in that space. And Bore gets a chance with the left-footed effort, but it's high and wide. All right, well, you move ahead, and five five minutes in, it's Jorge Carascal with a left-footed shot from close range, but it's saved in the center of the goal by, by Venderson. And Venderson comes up big here as it was another mistake on that right side of the defense. I'm sorry, Ve- Weverton is his name, not Venderson. Weverton, excuse me. And it was a it was a big, big save for the goalkeeper, for the Brazilian goalkeeper, no doubt about it, as it kept things nil nil, but it looked it looked a little bleak for the Brazilian side early on as uh, the Millionarios looked looked like they were gonna take control of this match early and just go pedal to the metal in the eighth minute. Another attempt, this time Nicolas de la Cruz. Right footed shot from outside the box, but he was blocked by Mateus Rush by Marcos Rocha, excuse me. In the tenth minute, we have a, a corner kick, dangerous corner kick for River Plate, conceded by Gabriel Menino, and this is where Abel Ferreira makes his first um, makes his first adjustment of the match, and this is a major adjustment. He takes the two outside midfielders, okay. And he he drops them into wingbacks, and a fi- and what happens is Palmeiras starts to line up defensively with a five-man backline. They switch to a five-four-one from the three-four-two they started with, or the three-four-two-one that they had started with. Um, he quickly makes that adjustment, and it seems to stabilize the it seems to stabilize the defensive effort of of. The Verdão, as they're called, the Big Green. And a lot of the press and a lot of the coverage of this match is noting this was a turning point. Although, River Plate would get another opportunity in the 20th, and it would be Rafael Boré again. Right-footed shot from the center of the box, but he misses left after getting on the end of a cross from Gonzalo Montiel. We move ahead, and we get to the 26th minute, and almost out of nowhere... A horrible mistake by the goalkeeper Armani. An errant pass coming out of goal, and it goes right to the foot of Ronnie. Ronnie wastes no time, and he blasts it before the goalkeeper can get himself back in position. Armani still manages to get a couple fingers to the shot, but it's hit far too hard and goes right through his hand and into the empty goal. And Palmeiras have the all-important away goal in the 26th minute, almost from nowhere. And the match just gets tipped on its head from there. Big celebrations for the Big Green. In the 29th minute, Gustavo Gomez of Palmeiras goes into the referee's book for a yellow card. A bad foul on Nacho Fernandez. And we move ahead. And this time, Nacho Fernandez 
he would he would draw another foul as he'd be kicked down by Ronnie. This time, no card shown. In the 32nd minute, Ronnie has the chance to double the lead as he has a right-footed shot from the right side of the box, but it's high and wide to the left. The match has completely, the, the momentum completely changed at this point, and you can see the frustration on Marcello Gajardo's face and, and on the face of the of the River players as they are trying to to connect again. They've lost their their rhythm a little bit and the passes now are not being are not as crisp. They're not as they're not as snug. They're not as accurate. And frustration is a little bit starting to show. Uh, Jorge Carascal tries to do it on on his own on the dribble here in the 42nd minute. He's taken down by Patrick De Paula. And Patrick Tapala goes into the referee's book as well with a yellow card. And on the on the free kick, on the free kick, it is Ignacio Nacho Fernandez hitting it left footed from outside the box, and he hits it right off of the crossbar. This was the closest the River Plate would get to getting on the score sheet in this one, and you have to imagine it would have been a far different match. Had this ball found its way into the goal, but Palmeiras escape and they go to halftime. 1-0 ahead on the road. Abel Freda gets his team organized at halftime. There was a, a team talk that made its way through social media uh, since the matches. He gives an animated speech and he fires his guys up. And, and you can see the belief in the side from Sao Paulo. And it took no time in the second half, literally. And this is a goal that if you are a River Plate supporter, if you are an incha of River Plate, of the Gaijinas, you will be tearing your hair out as Danilo plays the ball into space early, looking for Luis, Luis Adriano. Luis Adriano with, the, with an intelligent move of shifting his body position so that he he has the body position on the defender. The defender, he he completely bodies out of the way, I believe, is Javier Piñola. He manages to get the body position on him. And almost like a low post move in basketball, he, he pivots and forces the defender to get on the wrong side of him. And once the ball is through, Luis Adriano, the much faster of the two, and he is in untouched. And Luis Adriano, without much trouble, finds the space past Armani, and it is 2-0 to the visitors. And the panic starts to set in for River Plate. Nacho Fernandez trying to do it, like we said, on his own. And once again, nice tactical foul. <laughs> you like that? Nice tactical foul. Yes, that's why this is the Park in the Bus podcast. Uh, we do appreciate tactical fouls. And Danilo cuts down Nacho Fernandez. And he will go in the referee's book for a yellow card. We get a chance for River in the 49th. It's Bore again, a header from the center of the box, but it's saved in the top left corner by Weverton. And it was Nicolas De La Cruz with the cross. So De La Cruz with the cross. And there's a little play on his name there. And we get a corner as a result. And it is... It is Jorge Carescal who gets a header from the center of the box on that corner. The corner taken by Matias Suarez. But he heads it high and over the bar. 
We move forward now as we get to the 56th minute. And it's De La Cruz again. Right-footed shot this time from outside the box. But again, too high. Gonzalo Montiel with the setup pass. And then the match changes. The match changes completely again. And it does not change for the better if you are River Plate. 59th minute, Jorge Carascal. Shown a red card for a violent conduct for a foul on Gabriel Menino that is absolutely just criminal almost. It's a foul that at first I think was given a yellow card and then if I'm thinking of the correct match and then after a VAR review he comes back and, and rescinds the yellow card and makes it a direct red for violent conduct. And on the ensuing kickoff, the ensuing free kick, direct kick, a little bit of a trick play, a little little something that Abel Ferreira has brought to Palmeiras. It's something that if you're a fan of Borussia Dortmund, you've seen them do before. As two players run to the ball, they kind of collide with each other. One player starts to run away, then that player that runs away quickly cuts back towards the ball and whips in a, an in-swinging cross. This comes from the left. That is Gustavo Scarpa, who swings in the cross, and Matias Vina gets on the end of it with the header and heads it into the far post past Armani. Nothing Armani can do on that one. Ladies and gentlemen, 3-0 to Palmeiras. That is how it's going to end. Palmeiras on the road in Argentina, winning 3-0. Marcelo Gallardo says after the match in the press conference, interestingly enough, he says he's he's... Eerily getting, it's becoming way too normal to finish as a runner-up in competitions. And now he feels like his spot even in the final is now getting harder. He went from being champion to runner-up. So he was champion of Argentina, champion of the Libertadores. And then the next season he was runner-up of Argentina on the final day in the final minutes. And then lost the Copa Libertadores in the same... Actually, he lost the Copa Libertadores first in December, okay, um, in that fashion. And then it was actually, sorry, in November of 2019, the end of November, he loses the Copa Libertadores in stoppage time. few months later, in February, he loses the Argentine League on the final day in stoppage time. And he says that things are just trending the wrong way right now for the club. Abel Fajeda, on the other hand, says nothing has been decided. I watched this press conference. And he says nothing has been decided. He's not, he's, he's, he says that this round is simply at halftime and there is the second half still to play. He used a lot of European terminology, being that that's where he came from. And he says, you know. We're aware that these these uh, these ties are not over until the whole 180 minutes are played, and he's also aware that in South America and Latin America, a three-goal lead is not safe in a second leg. I said that yesterday when we talked about uh, Liga MX in Mexico, in Mexico, when uh, Cruz Azul had a four had a four-goal lead after the first leg, only to lose it to Pumas in the second leg. So. Palmeiras are not going home to the Allianz Park uh, overconfident, I don't believe. All right, the other semifinal on the night at La Bombonera, the, my favorite 
stadium in South America, at least as far as the pictures go. I've yet to visit a stadium in South America, unfortunately. But officially, the Estadio Alberto José Armando in Buenos Aires in the La Boca neighborhood. And it is better known to to football fans as the Chocolate Box or La Bombonera. And it is Boca Juniors taking on Santos of Brazil, also from Sao Paulo. So there's an opportunity here to have the Copa Libertadores final in Rio de Janeiro between two clubs from Sao Paulo. That w- would be strange. Let me tell you, to have a Sao Paulo derby in Rio de Janeiro. I know it's probably happened before in finals of other competitions, but in a continental competition. But yes, the road to Rio now goes through La Bombonera. And we'll go to the lineups, starting with the visitors. Santos uh, Football Club, who are managed by Cuca. In goal, they have John Victor. Four across the back, and they're 4-3-3, a very straight-ahead formation. Para is the right back. Lucas Verissimo is the central defender on the right side. Lucas Verissimo this week officialized, or at least came to terms. He's moving to my club, to Benfica, after this competition. This is what I was talking about, about players leaving and headed for Europe um, in South America at this time of year. Lucas Verissimo, central defender, on his way to Benfica to compete with the likes of Nicolas Otamendi and Jan Vertonghen for playing time in the back line. His his defense partner is Luan Perez, and the left-sided defender is Philippe Jonathan. Three in midfield, Diego Petuca, Alisson, and Lucas Braga. Up front, there are three in attack. Marinho on the right, Caio Jorge in the center, and Jefferson Soteldo on the left. And this match was one match where literally the two teams canceled each other out almost all match long. Uh, A lot of fouls. Let's look at some statistics from this one. Um, Boca had 45% possession to... To Santos is 55 at home. They each had 10 shots. Each had five chances created. Um, 288 passes correctly accurate for Boca. 357 for Santos. But Santos's passes were mostly in the defensive end. And about 14 fouls apiece. Two corners. <laughs> Literally, they they are even on everything. If you go down the stat line, even in duels one. It's about 60 each. And the two teams really just, just canceled each other out. There were a few few inf- uh, goal-scoring chances, really, to, to of note. A couple of yellow cards did come out. as uh, One yellow card, I should say. Sebastian Vija of Boca Juniors getting a yellow card in the 85th minute. Lucas Verissimo, who I spoke of, was was the man of the match according to the FOTMOB app with a 7.8 rating. But the match ends nil-nil, all to play for when they return to Sao Paulo next week. All right, so we'll have to wait in that one and see what happens. I expect a more open match um, for the neutral. It'd be best if Boca Juniors get the first goal because then that's going to force Santos to come out and play. But either way, an early goal 
is going to eliminate the possibility of extra time and make both teams go for it. So I'm hoping we get a goal early in this one. Otherwise, I don't want to watch a hundred and <laughs> I don't want to watch 120 minutes of two teams refusing to take any chances and just waiting for penalties. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's all to play for, like I said, and um, due to some fi fixture congestion, I think both teams took a little bit off the gas in this match, and they're they're going to focus it more in the second leg. But we'll see next week. All right, before we Take a break. Let's check in quickly with the Copa Sudamericana. The Copa Sudamericana, of course, is, is the Europa League to the Copa Libertadores' Champions League. And um, we're in the semifinals. Only one match, though, this week. And it was the first leg of Velez Sarsfield versus Lanús. Two Argentinian sides, or two Argentine sides, I should say. Lanús on the road pick up the 1-0 victory in the first leg. In the other tie, it is Chilean side Coquimbo Unido, who are currently second to last in the Chilean league, interestingly. And uh, they will host Defensa y Justicia, who are also from Argentina, on Tuesday, January the 2nd. And oddly enough, it has them the same two teams playing again on Thursday the 14th, 48 hours later in Argentina for the second leg. So if that schedule stays the same, that's going to be some interesting uh it's going to be interesting to see what kind of uh what kind of lineups the managers put out 48 hours after they face each other um in a, in a second leg, but uh that's where the Copa Sudamericana stands right now and the second leg for Lanús and Velez Sarsfield is next Wednesday, January the 13th. They're playing for a trip to the final, and the final this year will be played. And let me see. I don't have the location at the moment of where the Copa Sudamericana final will be. I know where the Copa Libertadores final will be, but I don't have the Sudamericana final location with me at the moment, but I'll certainly cover that as we get closer. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to the land of the tango. We're already there anyway with these first two matches. We're staying in Argentina on the other side of this break. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park in the Bus podcast. Welcome back to Park in the Bus episode 20. I am Mr. Mike Augustino. We're staying in Argentina. And we're staying on the theme of playing a 2020 competition in 2021. That's right. We're talking about the 2020, what used to be called Copa de la Liga. It's been renamed in the last month or so as the Copa Diego Armando Maradona after the late Argentine great. Um, we're at the closing stages, actually, of the competition. All right, This competition started back before COVID had had suspended play. So the the 24 teams that make up the first division in Argentina compete in this competition, okay? So what happens is at the first stage, there are groups of four, six of them. The top two in each group advance to the next stage, the ch to the what they call the championship phase. And the bottom two in each group go on to the 
they call it the declassification uh, phase. So what happens is the two teams in each group that finish in the bottom two, they go to their own tournament. So you have now four groups of six. Two groups of six in the championship phase playing for the cup, and then two groups of six in the bottom half playing for a chance to go to the Copa Sudamericana. That's right. They free up a Copa Sudamericana spot with for the teams that actually don't technically don't make it out of the group stage of this competition. They get their own secondary competition. And this is just a way to get more matches and obviously make more money for the league. Normally, this competition takes place at the end of the season. So normally, you play the entire league, which is one match against each team. Okay, so uh, you play each team once for 23 matches, and the winner is the champion. Okay, so after that's done... They play this co- this competition, which gives teams roughly another ten to to fourteen or ten to twelve matches. I should say it takes it gives them exactly ten matches if they go to the final. So that would make a thirty four game season, not including the Copa Argentina or Copa de Argentina, which will which has begun actually. the The early stages just began with the regional teams and the local teams the uh, lower level teams. So, once this competition ends, they go into the Copa Argentina and when the Copa Argentina ends, then the Superliga begins as they call it. So, let's go to the results. We're going to start on Saturday, January the 2nd. It's match day 4 out of 5 already. All right, so we're joining this competition pretty late, but on Saturday you got Rosario Central winning 3-0 at home to Defensa y Justicia. There was a big one Saturday. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about that one just yet because that's where I'm going. Um, in this the segment is to this match, but on Sunday, Independiente three, Arsenal, Sarandi four, Newell's Old Boys nil, Velez Sarsfield one, Patronato de Paraná one, Lanús one, Central Cordoba two, Racing Club two. On Monday, three more matches. Aldo Aldo Civi one, Union three, San Lorenzo one, Gimnasia La Plata two, Tajeres three, Banfield two, and on Tuesday the round concludes. Godoy Cruz one, Estudiantes La Plata nil, Urucan nil, Argentinos Juniors one, Atlético Tucumán. Nil Colon two. So let's look at the table now. And actually, before we go to the table, let's go to the big one. Uh, this is this is the big one. So this big one actually prompted me to fork over about eighty dollars to Fanatis USA, the streaming device, to for a year subscription. I forked it over for a year subscription to watch uh, to add to my the subscription I already had. I had the Brazilian package already. That was about eight dollars a month. I added. Another one here, and uh, this one at least I could pay the annual subscription. Not have to worry about it again for the next twelve months to pick up the Argentinian, uh, um, the basically to get to get TYE Sports and have the Argentine League available. So I got it to watch this one, and you know what? It was worth it. It's the Super Clasico. It is Boca versus River. Now we just talked about Boca and River. Uh, 
back in the pat in the last segment not too long ago they played Wednesday Tuesday and Wednesday in the Copa Libertadores in the semifinals so Saturday both teams with those matches in mind played this match and both teams kind of went for it let's take a look at how it went down again we're at the Bombonera in in uh, Buenos Aires, and let's take a look at the lineups. Starting with the visitors, River Plate are the visitors on this one. Franco Armani once is the goalkeeper, as always. Gonzalo Montiel, Robert Rojas, Pablo Diaz, and Javier Piñola. The back, the back four with Enzo Perez as the holding midfielder. Bruno Zuccolini, Jorge Carascal, and Nicolas De La Cruz, the three attacking midfielders in front of him. Lucas Beltran partners with Rafael Bore in the attack. For Boca, Esteban Andrada is the goalkeeper. They're playing 4-4-2. Julio Alberto Buffarini is the right back. Carlos Zambrano and Carlos Roberto Izquierdo are the central defenders with Emmanuel Mas as the left back. In midfield, Edwin Cardona is the right-sided midfielder with Nicolas Capaldo and Horm. Uh, Hordman Campuzano as the central midfielders and Sebastian Bija is the left-sided midfielder in attack. Mauro Zarate partners with Ramon Abila. Carlos Tevez, Toto Salvio, Franco Soldano all kept on the bench in this one um, with, I believe, Tuesday, uh, Tuesdays. No, Wednesday's, Wednesday's Copa Libertadores match in mind for manager Miguel Russo. All right, so we're going to look at, we're going to go through this match a little bit quicker than we did the last one. So, uh, 10 minutes in, it is, it is Boca getting on the board first. It's Ramon Abila uh, scoring a goal on an assist from Emmanuel Mas. Uh, a couple of yellow cards come out here. In the 13th, it's, it's Julio Alberto Buffarini. In the 29th, it's Campuzano, both for Boca Juniors. Jorge Carascal gets a yellow in the 45th. At halftime, Marcelo Gallardo makes two substitutions for River Plate. On comes Matias Suarez and Ignacio Nacho Fernandez. Off go Lucas Beltran and Bruno Zuccolini. In the 57th minute, we get a double substitution from Boca. They counter. It is Carlos Tevez and Franco Soldano coming on. Exiting is Maro Zarate and Ramon Abila. But in the 58th minute, uh, Horman Campuzano is sent off for accumulation. He gets his second yellow card of the match. He's gone. Enzo Perez gets a yellow in the 62nd minute. And then we get a few more substitutions. Leonardo Jara. On for Edwin Cardona for Boca on the 63rd minute. And then a triple substitution for Marcello Gallardo and his Riverside. It's Federico Girotti replacing Carascal. Christian Ferreira replacing Piñola. And Leonardo Ponzio replacing Nicolas de la Cruz. 74th minute when it looked like it was under control for Boca. The tide switches. And it is Federico Girotti off the bench. With the goal, 74th minute, all level. And two minutes later, it is Rafael Borre getting on the end of a Nacho Fernandez cross. And it is 2-1 to one to the visitors. Marcelo Gallardo is going crazy on, on his sideline. And 
River Plate look set for the three points, and when I when I look when I review the table in a moment, you'll see why this match was so big. Aside from it being the Super Clasico, the the it, there is a spot in the final of this competition competition certainly on the line here, and it looked like it was Rivers to lose, but in the 86th minute, Carlos Tevez does well to set up his teammate Sebastian Bija. Bija. Puts it past Armani, and it is 2-2, two two, and that is the goal that Boca needed. Now, these two teams are very, very close. The match ends to all as both teams share the points, and that takes us to the table now with one match remaining to play, one round to play. This is in Group A of the Copa, Armando, Copa Diego Armando Maradona. Okay, the Group A, Boca Juniors right now are top of the table with eight points, the same amount of points as their rivals River Plate. Uh, difference is literally one goal allowed. Both teams have scored eight. Boca have allowed four. River have allowed five. So Boca with a slightly better goal difference. This is with one match to play. River Plate, like I said, eighth, uh, second place with eight points, three uh Five goals allowed, eight scored, plus three. Third place with seven, not out of it yet either, is Argentinos Juniors. They have seven points. They have two wins, a loss, and a draw. They are even three goals and three assists. Fourth place is Arsenal Sarandi, four points. Obviously no longer mathematically possible for them to catch the leaders. Independiente are fifth with, with three points, and Huracan are sixth with Three points in Group B. So first place of Group A will play the first place of Group B in the final of this competition. Right now in Group B, the leader is Banfield. Three victories and a defeat. They have nine points with a plus three goal difference. One point behind them is Tajeres. They have two victories, two draws, eight points. Same Eight goals scored and five allowed. In third place, Gimnasia La Plata still in the hunt. Seven points, only two behind the leader. They have two wins, a draw, and a defeat. Seven goals, four and five against. In fourth place is San Lorenzo with four points. Fifth is Cologne with five with four points. And in sixth place in Group B, Atletico Tucuman, they have one point. And now in the other brackets, if you will, in the Copa Sudamericana playoff, as it as they call it, um, you have in first place in that Group A, in the lower tier, Rosario Central, three victories, one draw, ten points. They're undefeated in this phase. Second place, Union with seven points. Third place is Defensa y Justicia, also on seven points. Outside chance, but with the plus eight goal difference, I think Rosario Central is in pretty good shape to advance. Fourth place, Lanús, five points. In fifth place, Aldo Civi with three. And in sixth place, Patronato de Parana, one point. And lastly, Group B in the Sudamericana playoff uh, phase. Top of the table is Newell's Old Boys with nine points, three victories and one defeat. Seven goals, four, two against, plus five is the difference. They are level on points with second place Balez Sarsfield. They have nine points also. Also three victories, one defeat. Seven goals, four, just the same, but four goals against. So they're two goals behind right now. 
third place out of it already, four points back, is the Racing Club. They have five points. Estudiantes La Plata, a fourth with four points. Godoy Cruz, fifth with four points. And Santiago Cordoba de Santiago, sorry, Central Cordoba de Santiago are sixth with two points. Let's take a look now at the fixtures, okay? There are fixtures already on Friday, tonight. Tonight, if you have Fanatis USA, you need to be you need to be keyed in on this. You need to lock in and get two screens so you can watch these matches at the these last two matches at the same time. And what a matchup! What matchups we have actually at the bottom of this order. But I'll start with Lanús hosting Rosario Central, Union hosting Patronato, Racing hosting Newells, Velez Sarsfield hosting Godoy, and then the big one. The big ones. First, both of these matches kick off, by the way, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Argentinos Juniors versus Boca Juniors in a Diego Maradona um, derby match. Two clubs that he represented. And with Boca having eight points and Argentinos having seven, a win for Argentinos could catapult them to the final in the event that River Plate does not win their match and River Plate will play at the same time against Independiente. So will those two matches will be very, very interesting. We'll have a finalist out of those three teams. Then on Sunday, you have... Defensa y Justicia taking on Aldo Civi. Arsenal Sarandi taking on Urucan. Banfield versus San Lorenzo. Colón versus Tajeres. Gimnasia La Plata versus Atlético Tucumán. And Monday you have Estudiantes versus Córdoba. So that's where we stand right now in Copa Diego Armando Maradona. So next week. We will definitely have more information on this on the final. And I look forward to watching these matches tonight and and being able to talk about it next week here on the PTB Media Network. This is the Parking the Bus podcast. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to Brazil and checking in on the Brasileiro. Oh, this is Parking the Bus, episode 20. The PTB Media Network is your home for in-depth English language coverage analysis and opinion on all things involving the biggest club in Portugal. That's right. Mr. Benfica comes to you every week with in-depth reviews of matches of the men's and women's football teams at Benfica, plus updates on the club's other sports such as futsal, basketball, rink hockey, volleyball, and team handball. If you haven't yet, Please subscribe to Mr. Befica wherever you get your podcasts or listen at www.mrbefica.com. And of course, follow Mr. Befica on Twitter at Befica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Befica. Brazil, here we go. Brasileirão Açaí 2020. And it is round 20. 28 starting on Wednesday. There was no football in Brazil over the weekend. It started on Wednesday, January the 6th. And let's take a look at the results from Wednesday night. This is round 28, of course. The only teams not featuring in this round were the two uh, were the two teams that are in the Copa Sud- uh, the Copa Libertadores semifinals and of course their two opponents. So 
Wednesday night we had uh, in Rio Botafogo nil, Atlético Paranaense two, Grêmio Porto Alegre two, Bahia one, Curitiba one, Goiás two, Sport Recife one, Fortaleza nil, Red Bull Bragantino four, League leader São Paulo two. That was a shocker. That was a shocker in this round. São Paulo on the verge of breaking away but couldn't do it. And Flamengo, the defending champions, couldn't make up any ground. They lose the Fla-Flu derby at the Maracanã in about the worst possible way you can lose any match. It's Flamengo 1, Fluminense 2. I'm going to go to that match uh, briefly as... um, Flamengo dominates the match and then goes to sleep in the last in the last half hour or so. De Hascaeta had the goal in the 40th. Claro would would equalize in the 55th on a on a weird goal to say the least. And then when it looked like Flamengo were going to be the closest to to net the winner, they fall asleep in the most one of in fact, their most experienced guy in the back, Philippe Luiz, with the ball on his on his preferred left foot, starts dribbling across the uh, you know from from his left towards center towards his own goal. Tries to make a nonchalant pass across the edge of the penalty area to his teammate Rodrigo Caio. He overhits it a little bit, and he allows Iago to go in all alone for Fluminense, and then. Before he can cut him down, Iago puts it through the legs of the goalkeeper, Ugo Nogueira. And in stoppage time, Fluminense steal three points. And they looked like they had just won the Copa do Brasil. Literally, they rushed the field. They were going crazy. Flamengo, on the other hand, angry. The manager throwing things. Or I should say the, the coaching staff, not necessarily the manager. The manager's Rogério said uh Seni, and he is under major fire already. I don't know, he's been there at most ten matches. He's already under fire though. And a lot of Fl- a lot Flamingo has been very unsettled ever since Jorge Zuz left. And Jorge Zuz, if you follow me, you know my other podcast, you'll know that George Jesus is not settled either. This is looking like this was a breakup that was a big mistake for both sides, at least from a football standpoint. Maybe for a from a family matter and from a personal matter, it was what George Jesus needed in his life. But from a football sense, this was the, neither side has come out of this separation looking good, and. Flamengo's still in the in the hunt for the title. Okay, they're dropping points and they're not playing well, but they're still in the hunt for the title with ten matches to go. And they're if they in, in Brazil, if you can put together a four or five match winning streak, you may pull ahead. What happened last year? Flamengo pulled off a massive win streak and started. They went from like twelfth to first. In a fairly short time, considering how much ground they made up. And they end up flying away from everybody and getting up to a 9- and 10-point lead in the table, which is incredibly um, rare in Brazil. So, really, with 10 matches to go, I think this league is going to be very, very exciting. And it's going to go right down to the very last day. And you know what? On the last day, we have 
Flamengo versus Sao Paulo. So we'll see. Now, the matches from Thursday, I do have them now. And Sierra at home, nil. Their visitors from Rio Grande do Sul, Internacional, Porto Alegre, two. Big result because Porto Alegre, I mean, Inter Porto Alegre is going to jump into, I believe, second place with this victory. And then the final result of the night, Atlético Goianense, nil. Vasco da Gama, nil. Let's go to the table then. And yes, I was right. Uh, we have São Paulo in first place with 56 points, 28 matches played. A few teams have 27. So a few teams have matches in hand still. But right now, São Paulo through 28 matches, 56 points. Inter Porto Alegre through 28 matches, 50 points, 6 back. Um... In third, with 27 matches played, one in hand, a match in hand, Atletico, Mineiro, and Flamengo, both with a match in hand, both on 49 points. Atletico, Mineiro has the, the advantage in goal difference by two goals. Fifth place, one point behind them. And also with the match in hand is Grêmio Porto Alegre, Inter's inner city rival, they have 48 in 6th place right now with 44 points and 2 matches in hand is Palmeiras. If Palmeiras win those 2 matches in hand, they're, they're only 6 points back as well. 7th place now is Fluminense who are slowly but surely climbing the table. They have 43 points through 28. 8th place is Santos, 39 points through 27. Corinthians are up to 9th. They also have 39 points. 10th place belongs to Athletic Paranaense, 37 points. In 11th, you have Sierra. And in the final, Copa Sudamericana spot. In 12th place, Athletic Goianes for now, 35 points through 28 matches. Red Bull Bragantino is 13th. Sports Recife is 14th. In 15th, you have Fortaleza, 16th and out of the relegation zone for now. And with the match in hand is Vasco da Gama. They have 29 points into the relegation zone. In 17th goes Bahia. They have 28. Goyas in 18th have 26. Botafogo in big trouble. Crisis mode for the Rio club. They have 23 points through 28 matches. And in last place with 21 points through 28 matches, Curitiba. Let's look quickly at the scoring leaders in the competition. It's still, as it has been virtually all season, Thiago Gallardo in first with 16 goals, but he's been on 16 goals for quite a while. And Santos's Mourinho is catching up. He's got 15 goals. Uh, in third place right now is Luciano Neves. She has 12. We have four guys with 11. Brenner of Sao Paulo, Pedro of Flamengo, Claudinho of Bragantino, and Germano Cano of Vasco da Gama. All right. The fixture list for the next round, which starts on Saturday. So all Saturday, Sunday, one Monday match. So here we go. Saturday, you have Curitiba hosting Atlético Paranaense. Um, also, Sports Recife hosting Palmeiras and Fortaleza hosting Grêmio. Grêmio looking to climb the table, as we said. And then on Sunday, you have Flamengo at home at the Maracanã to Sierra. On Sunday, obviously still, you have a derby in the city of São Paulo with São Paulo, the club, taking on Santos. Atlético Goianense hosts Bahia 
Internacional Porto Alegre hosts Goiás, and you have a Rio derby on Sunday as well, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. All of these matches are available also on Fanatis USA with the Brazilian package. Botafogo and Vasco da Gama on Sunday. Monday, you have Bragantino versus Atlético Mineiro. And Wednesday, you have Corinthians versus Fluminense. That is round 29 in the Brasileirão. We've gone over it all. Um, we have covered Argentina, Brazil, and the Copa Libertadores this week. Uh, thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoyed this week of podcasts. Um, let me know if you if you like this. Um, of course, you can do that on Twitter at PTB underscore media, on Instagram at PTB underscore media, or you can email uh, PTB Media Network at gmail.com. Right, that's going to do it. All right. I'm going to sign off now and I will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the matches this weekend. Get yourself a cold one. Set aside at least two hours this weekend to watch one match, a match of your choice. Okay. If you can't do that, you set the DVR. Give yourself at least one match of football to watch this weekend. All right, uh, stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy, everybody. Um, everybody, be chill. All right, everybody out there needs to chill out wherever you are. Um, l- let's let's be civil. And I'll see you on Monday for the UK edition, the second time. I'll s- all right. That'll be episode twenty-one, and that'll be dropping Monday morning. So. Have a great weekend again, everybody. And this is the Mr. Mike Agusinu signing off for the Parking the Bus podcast. Mm-hmm.